right, all right, here we go. This is the NBA Dream Podcast for RJ Bell's Dream Preview. I'm your host, Sleepy J, joined once again by NBA betting expert Mackenzie Rivers. Mackenzie and myself, we'll go ahead, we'll cover the NBA Friday card, some hot topics. We'll release our NBA contest picks in the pregame.com forum, known as the Friday Five. If you guys do not know what that is, stay tuned, Mackenzie and I. We'll go ahead and we'll explain that shortly. And you guys can go ahead, you can pick up 55 pregame bulk dollars. Mackenzie and I uh, will also have our best bets. All right, Mac. So with college football kind of uh, out of the way, we got one more game. We got the title game there on Monday. NFL now heading into week 18 and the playoffs are upcoming. It's kind of time for us to go ahead and hit the gas pedal here with the NBA season. Now, we've made a little bit of a schedule change. Dream Pods now, we're going to do them on Thursday for the Friday games and our NBA Bet Tank Pod. That's going to be released Friday for the Saturday games. Now, Mac and I, we haven't talked since before the New Year. So, Mackenzie, I do have to ask you, New Year's Eve, did you find yourself at any wild parties? Did you spend the night in jail? Did you do anything crazy, anything exciting? How was your New Year's Eve? Out of jail, um, I spent my New Year's Eve. First of all, I had to make the the, uh, Super Contest picks every Saturday night. I'm down there at the Westgate, like clockwork. Um, I got an A. RJ said, you get an A. A plus, he said, on uh, my Westgate contest picks. I mean, it's not hard. You just got to be there at 11. Be there at 11. Have your phone on. Uh, but, hey, there's been three years I've been doing it, and I'm 17 plus 18 plus 18. What is that? 53 and 0. I've never missed it. So I'm happy about that. And now I don't have to do it anymore because the NFL season, um, regular season, has concluded. And then, after making those selections, uh, I went to a place I had been before that will not be disclosed. That was uh, pretty fun. Uh, friends and friends and uh, family just hanging out. Friends and family for New Year's, not bad. Uh, I actually ended up sleeping in one day for the contest picks, and what? RJ was not. Yeah, he was not happy about that one. <laughs> um, I had time to get there. I made it to the Westgate. Thank God. But I had Fezic hot on my tail. Uh, just in case I wasn't there, um, you know, whatever the case might be, Fezzik was going to be able to, to get them in. But literally, you know, we were we were rifling in picks there at the last minute. RJ's like, if you would have not got them picks in, you would have got fired. And I was like, oh, geez. It was like the last thing I wanted to hear. He's like, Sleepy, where are you? Has, has he ever used the phrase around you, you're going to make me do something I don't want to do? <laughs> oh, yeah, more than I'd like to admit. But I'm glad, to, you know, that you didn't uh, – you know, you didn't sleep in. You didn't screw that part up. And and let me say for the record, RJ's pretty chill when you get to know him. I think you'd agree. Totally, totally. All right, so let's go ahead. Let's chill on all the early talk here. Let's go ahead. Let's start getting into some of these games here, Mac. So we got Friday stuff here lined up. Mac wants to talk about the Hornets and the Bucks. Current line in this game right now, Milwaukee going to be 10.5-point favorites here at home. And we have a total of 234. Mackenzie, you have a pick in this one that you like quite a bit. You did a lot of work on this game. What are you looking at? I'm looking at the Hornets in the first half here. Uh, the Bucks have been a first-half dynamo in the Giannis era. They've been essentially obliterating teams early in games. However, whatever magic formula, whatever uh, Michael Jordan water ball they've had, uh, I'm really starting to question. And I keep looking at my power ratings, and I have them about where I had them a month ago. You know, five points better than average team. Um, Chris Milton should be back. You know, I have an injury offset and all that, but I don't think they're close to the best team in the league. And uh, they kind of have this championship pedigree because they, hey, won a championship. Come back against the Suns, win in six. They did it. But let's let's dig into these numbers. Uh, and I'll ask you, where does this Bucks team rank in terms of their best Bucks team over the last five years? And where does their championship team rank in 2021 
2020-2021 rank amongst uh, their great teams? Because let's look at it. First, since Giannis's first MVP season, there were nine points better than their opponent. Uh, you know, it's pretty good. That's that, It maybe happens once every two years, uh, a team to be that good. Like the Celtics are leading the league right now and uh, adjusting for cleaning uh, – Cleaning the glasses, adjustment for garbage time. They're seven points better than an average team. I think that's about right. Best team in the NBA, seven points better than an average team. Well, the Bucks were nine in, in Giannis's MVP first year. The next year, uh, COVID happened, but before that, they were plus 12. That's like 92, 93 Bulls. That's like close to 95, 96 Bulls. That's, nobody's plus 12, but they didn't win the championship. They, uh, you know, they bowed out. You know, that, that, that was happening. So the question was, um, when they lost to a team like the Raptors in the bubble, when they lost to the team like the Heat in five games, uh, the answer to me was, well, I've seen this movie before. This is a team built around a player that is um, unusual, you know, kind of like Nikola Jokic. You don't see him every day walking through that door and teams don't know how to play him. But the elite teams in the half court, like Kawhi's Raptors, like Jimmy Butler's Heat, they could go toe-to-toe with them, and they could beat them. So the plus 12, even though that's, you know, historic top 10 ever type stuff, it, I wasn't a, a believer. I just wasn't a believer in, in Bud's team. And then the next year, 2021, they go from plus 12 to plus 6. And they're down two games to none against the Nets. They got blown out in both of them. Uh, they, they take one back. And then Kyrie goes down. When they're down 2-1 in the first half, uh, some shenanigans, in my opinion, some bad calls, in my opinion, that did uh, end up, you know, not no one did it on purpose, but it did end up with Kyrie getting hurt. Uh, and then they lose. They win. I mean, the Nets lose. Bucks win in seven. Then they beat the Suns. They win the championship. But they go from plus 12 in the regular season margin to only plus five and a half. They weren't elite anymore. But they ended up winning the championship. And now we go to this year. And I know Middleton's been out. They've had some injuries. But they're 10th in scoring margin. They're plus two. They're gone from plus 12 to plus two. Same roster. If anything, Giannis from 24 to 27 should be making a major leap. Rick Barry, one of the great NBA players of all time, always says, uh, no one could touch me 29 to 31. 29 to 31, when I got all of the athleticism still with me and I got the skills you know, building upon themselves, getting better every year, no one can touch me 29 to 31. You get better and better until that age. Maybe it's pushed back a little bit now with nutrition and technology and everything. But Giannis should be getting much better. And I know his numbers are sick. He put up 55 and 20 uh, and 12 turnovers. You know, that that kind of thing. I kind of throw that stuff out. I know he's every, the uh, alpha and omega of that team. I know he's everything to that team. My barometer to how good Giannis is is how good the team is. Pretty much. Yeah, it's unfair, maybe. But he has got... When everything's built through you, I don't care that you get a bunch of stats because everything's built through you. What is your team doing? So now they're only plus two scoring margin, and the first half is even more telling. They were beating teams consistently, 2018-19, five points a game. 2019-20, five and a half points a game. 2021, five, four points per game, and then four and a half points per game last year in the first half. Like clockwork, they just blew out teams. Now they're plus Point eight, about a half point better than than their than their opponents in the first half. I think Bud's team is figured out. I think Giannis's approach is figured out a little bit because Coach Bud famously, offensively and defensively, says, "I play the way I play. I teach it. I teach it well." And unlike the Spurs, where he came from, I don't see a lot of versatility. I don't see a lot of options. And now I see a team that's tenth in the league in scoring margin, 
Um, Middleton, I'd, maybe a point and a half if you're being generous, maybe two points if you're really generous. But I don't think that's the reason why they've gone from one of the best regular season teams ever to kind of average, to kind of a little bit better than average. So that's my play here. It's it's not on the Hornets. I mean, they played well. I think like the market's kind of shrugged off that LaMelo Ball came back. Probably their best player by two or three points. And they played a little bit better. Um, but it's really a fade on the Bucks. I don't think this team is that dynamo that could you could pencil in every every uh every bad opponent. They were gonna win by 20, they were gonna win by 18 in the first half. Uh, they had a lot of nights like that over the years, but I think the clock's kind of uh kind of up on them. So let me ask you, where does this Bucks team rank? in the last five years of Bucks teams, are they the worst? Have they fallen off that much? Or am I making too big of a deal out of it? I think they won the championship with their, you know, second or third best team. They just happened to beat the Nets. But uh, anyway, this year, how good do you think they are? This might be their best roster, but this could be the worst that they're playing. I actually liked, I liked the Bledsoe team probably more than any because I felt like that roster was really filled out. I felt like the bench was really deep. Uh, they had Middleton, you know, a three-point shooter. Going back to what you were talking about, you know, how like how has this happened to this team? I think a lot of it is due to Giannis took over later in games. It was more of a of a you know a shooting type of effort. Like now they don't have those shooters on the floor, you know, when, like they did years back. So I think it was like, hey, we're getting Middleton involved, we're getting Bledsoe involved. Uh, you know, there were guys out there like Della Vadova and guy, you know, guys that could actually shoot the rock a little bit. And Giannis was more willing, I think, to to share the ball. And look at it. Go back to like his triple doubles. I think he was probably averaging probably more triple doubles back then because the offense was just more involved. And then it was like, hey, we need you now. And then it was Giannis just taking over, slowing the game down a little bit. So um, I don't know, man. It's it's tough because I like this roster. Not in love with the bench, but I feel like this roster could potentially be their best. And maybe they're just not playing their best basketball right now. And maybe some of that's just due to you know the fact they don't have that shooter like Middleton out there, but. Mackenzie, I'll, I'll ask you. Let's just say that this is their best team. They're still not winning the title. That's what I'm saying. Like, you get a a credit, a big badge of of awesomeness, and you deserve it when you win a championship. But no series proved to me that they have what it takes to beat the best of the best teams. I, I understand they beat the Nets, who were the best at that time, uh, in seven games, with the Nets not having two of their best players. And a win's a win is a win, and you can only beat who's in front of you. They were going to lose that series. They were minus, they were plus 600 to lose that series, you know, after three games were played, a pretty decent sample size. Then they beat the Hawks, who were nobody. And then they beat the Suns, and the Suns have had their own problems. Chris Paul has had his own uh, playoff struggle. Devin Booker has had his own playoff struggles now uh, against the Mavericks, especially, kind of was exposed. So I, I like Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's one, two, three best player in the world. He's going 33 a game. But I'm not a fan of, the, of this style. I think it's way too... Uh, Giannis focus. Let's look at the points per game. 33 for Giannis. Drew Holiday, 18. Almost cut in half already. Chris Middleton only scoring 11 points a game. Yeah, he hasn't played much, only six games. But then who else are you going to go to? Brooke Lopez. I just feel like they built this kind of like the Mavericks, except it worked once. They built it around one guy, and um, I think they're better. I think their talent has more options. I think Giannis can be a point forward like he used to be four or five years ago when he was winning most improved player of the year. Uh, he has five assists per game right now. Drew Holiday with seven. Uh, I would like to see him have seven and Drew Holiday have eight. That means he's passing more and Drew Holiday has the ball more. Just something around that. Numbers don't mean too much. But, yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, I think they got to make some changes. I think, think roster-wise, they should be the best team that they've been. 
when you brought up assist, that was kind of what I was thinking when, when you were talking. And clearly, if you were not assisting the basketball correctly. And look, if, if Giannis right now, like I said, like, okay, maybe they're looking more towards Giannis in the first half. Well, if you're getting the ball to one player constantly, one, your assists are going to get cut down. But two, you have to seek that guy out. It's not like, hey, we're swinging the ball. It's like, let's find Giannis. Let's wait till he gets around that guy. Let's wait until, you know, we set up a pick pick and roll here, something like that. Well, then, yeah, the offense naturally is going to slow down. So I, I would not be surprised if their assist numbers are probably the worst that they've been, you know, maybe over like the last five years. So maybe that's something, you know, to go ahead and take a look at. Yeah, no doubt. That's that's something I'll, 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 uh, I'll pull. But um, and have uh, have for later podcast. But uh, so uh, swinging it back around, I do like the Hornets plus six and a half. They always do this with the Bucks. They make them a little bit more juiced uh, in the first half because of this history. But uh, I think um, until I see something change, I I'm not going to assume that this is a first half dynamo anymore. And uh, the Hornets, like I said, a little bit underrated. It's mostly a fate of the Bucks. But I like the Hornets plus six and a half in the first half here. All right. Well, solid breakdown there. Good conversation, Mac. We haven't really had a whole hell of a lot of uh, Bucks talk on this podcast. And- right. People pencil them in. I'm telling you, people are just pencil them in. They're as good as ever. Giannis Antetokounmpo is doing this, doing that. I think there's uh, some real problems here. I'm not sure they're going to get it fixed, even when Middleton comes back. All right. Well, uh, here's another team that has some problems now, and I don't know if they need to fix it now or fix it later, but the Pelicans are going to be without Zion Williamson. Uh, it looks like right now for the foreseeable future, let's just call it three weeks. That's kind of what's going on right now. Now, Mac, you and I, you know, we went ahead, we did an NBA preseason podcast, and one of our favorite picks, I believe it was our preseason NBA total of the year, was on the New Orleans Pelicans over 45 and a half wins. Well, uh, it looked like we were well on our way. Ingram goes down. It's like, God, and, you know, geez, come on, dude. And now Zion goes down, and it's like, all right, time to you know break out the break out the nail clippers because uh, we might not have any left. So right now, Mac, what is their season win total? We bet it at forty five and a half. Do uh, do we have the worry? I mean, we should be optimistic because even with the Zion injury, it's still forty seven and a half. But I think that's actually low. I think if you're not invested in the Pelicans, you might want to grab a little bit uh, of them right now because I handicapped the Pelicans over 45 and a half with the full understanding that Zion Williamson since high school has never played a full season of basketball without some sort of ailment. Now I'm not sure that this hamstring injury is um, necessarily like his foot in college or his foot last year or in college. I don't think it's that serious. I think I made that handicap with, with saying Zion's a bonus. This is a 50 win team, not because of what Zion's doing, but because the trade they made last February, CJ McCollum and because of Brandon Ingram. Now that Brandon Ingram is practicing, he's going to play again soon. Uh, do we know if he's going to play in this game? I, I think he was like going to play any day now. He was, he was actually questionable like the last two games. And I, th- I know he's been practicing and I know he's been gearing up. So I'm going to say he's probably 50-50 for this one, maybe 50-50 for the next. But I think within the next three games, now that Zion's out, Ingram's going to be on the floor. Yeah. And and the Pelicans last year, remember, new coach in the beginning of the year, started out 3-16. and 16. The second half of last year, they were 9-1 and one straight up in ATS when Brandon Ingram had his gym shoes on. So Brandon Ingram back. I still like this Pelicans team to be way better than average. I mean, they're the third best team right now. Uh, only Memphis and Boston have been better so far this season by uh, by scoring margin. They're 10 games above 500. To be over 45 and a half, you got to be four games above 500 when the season ends. I don't think they're going to fall off very much at all. So uh, Zion Williamson, I think it's kind of a load management type three-week situation. I think if it was the playoffs, 
He might be out there with this hamstring injury a little bit sooner. And uh, Brandon Ingram, uh, I think, has the goods to to carry this team down down the stretch. So uh, over 47 and a half looks good to me. It does to me too. And I'll tell you why I'm not worried is that this Pelicans team without Zion Williamson with Brandon Ingram on the floor, which we're probably going to get that sooner or later here, they know how to win without Zion. Like you exactly. just said, Zion was a bonus. So maybe the market is overreacting. And I think that if you guys missed, you know, going ahead and getting that 45 and a half uh, over in the beginning of the year, I actually think that you guys could probably still bet this thinking that thinking that this is just a massive injury. And look, it is. Don't get me wrong. If Zion's out for a full three weeks, then maybe you have a little bit something to worry about. But I believe Zion comes back when things start to get maybe a little bit uh, a little bit scary. Like maybe, hey, maybe they're, they're falling down to the fifth, sixth seed somewhere in that area. But, Mac, let me ask you this, because I'm not 100% sure where you fall with this Pelicans team, but I think they're legitimately live to make the NBA Finals this year. And I believe that this team believes in themselves based on what they accomplished last year. So do you think maybe they could be playing a little bit of possum here? The fact that Ingram's just coming back from injury, maybe Zion is being quoted as he's going to be out for three weeks. But do you think that they want to show everybody what this team looks like on the floor together? Because honestly, this team hasn't played a whole hell of a lot of basketball together. But when they did, they won. I'm going to sound like uh, Brian Windhorst and put my fingers up here. Why would the Pelicans be concerned about Zion Williamson's long-term health enough to sit him. And I'm, I know I'm being a little bit presumptuous saying that the three weeks that he's going to be evaluated, is kind of false, kind of phony, but if let's just assume that's true. Let's just say that's true. Why would they do that? Cause they have big aspirations. They, they know they can get a home playoff uh, situation, a home playoff series for the first time in their history. That's not exactly their goal this year. I mean, let's just look at the West. Last year, the Suns were, you know, prohibitive, not prohibitive favorites. They were clear favorites starting the playoffs. Warriors were second. They had big injury question marks. The Suns might miss the playoffs. They've won like four of what, like the last 15 games. Devin Booker is hugely important with the way Chris Paul is playing right now. And he's going to be gone for a minute. Uh, They probably won't miss the playoffs. That's probably extreme. But they are not the team that they were last year. Chris Paul's a year older. All right. Well, the Pelicans dominated, you know, not dominated, no. They, they pushed the Suns to all they could have at their peak, at their peak when they just were off a 65-win season. They pushed them. Now they're a lot better than they were, and the Suns are a lot worse. And the Warriors, they haven't done much all season. They're 20-19. and 19. They're average. I know I got optimism for them too, but they could clearly, one injury, one bad shooting, one bad shooting week, uh, they could beat the Warriors. This team can make the finals. And Memphis, I think, Zion, I think the Pelicans are deeper than Memphis. Uh, at the top end positions. I know the Grizzlies go 10 deep, but in the playoffs, that doesn't really matter. It really matters who's your best three scorers. And Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum might be as good as any three-man group. I mean, who else? I mean, the Bucs uh, with their with their three All-Stars, the Nets with their three All-Stars. I would put at their peak, everybody healthy, Zion, Brandon Ingram, and CJ McCollum. Maybe not at the top, but right there with any team in the West at least. So to make the finals is possible, no, no doubt about it. Mac, let me ask you this because I do want to talk briefly about the Suns a little bit later on in the podcast. But can you go ahead and find me odds? Because I didn't bother to go ahead and look. But you know, the more that I think about this, I think the Suns actually do stand a pretty good chance to miss the playoffs this year. You know, we talked about this on our last podcast. You know, about the Suns' struggles. You know, throughout this season. But 
what it was going to look like without Devin Booker on the floor, you know, for a possibility of 15 games this year. This team has been reeling. Obviously, we know that. But, you know, let's just say they go on. Let's just say it's a five and 15 run. Now, you know, I think they're like one and I think they won one game in like their last eight. So it's not going good clearly right now. But I wouldn't rule that out because you, know, you got guys like Crowder who want out of there. Is CP3 going to be there? Maybe he is there a chance he retires? Um, Aiton hasn't been exactly happy there. Um, you got to ask yourself, you know, how Booker's going to feel, you know, in the future. If this team actually finds themselves reeling to the point to where they're not even in the playing game, I, I would not be surprised if this is a team that tanks the year and says, you know what, at some point we need to rebuild. And maybe this actually is is kind of, uh, you know, the collapse of the Suns. We should mention the Suns had to be forced to sell their team. They are, they are no longer owned by the same man. And um, uh, Basketball Illuminati podcast had a deep dive on the new Suns owner and you know, maybe not the um, – you know, cleanest character in the book, another billionaire with some uh, question marks by him. What, what are the chances? Uh, sometimes it's cultural. Sometimes it's not even cultural. That's not even the right word. It's it's systemic where there's just something not right with this team. The fact that DeAndre Ayton's on this team, even though they without in so many words, they said, you're not good enough to be our third best player last year. You know, we're, we're looking for we're looking to upgrade at your position at you. Now he's now he's their second best player, maybe even when Devin Booker comes back, I think he might be more effective than Chris Paul at this point. Uh, that, you know, that's just, it's just a bad uh, bad vibe right now. And uh, happy we made that uh, that Kings pick currently leading the Pacific. Oh um, no, the Warriors are leading the Pacific. Sorry, let me rephrase that. The Kings are somehow leading the Pacific. The Warriors have the best shot to win it, in my opinion. And uh, nine to one, we got last podcast. So happy about that. I think the Suns are in trouble. Yeah, I think the odds makers are still on drugs. I don't know how the hell they have that team. They have them winning the West. That's crazy. <laughs> They're on drugs, man. <laughs> we got to take advantage of this. Like, I think, like, they just posted it and they forgot to go back and check. Maybe we want to make a phone call to some of the sports books. I don't know. But the Warriors now, not 9-1, to 3-1 to one, uh, to win the Pacific. Uh, maybe if the Clippers lose a couple of games, we add that to the portfolio. The Kings at 6-1. to one. But the Suns right now, plus 150. I don't see them being the best out of those four teams. There's just no way. I think I think if you can get the Clippers at, let's just say three to one, and we have a you know we have a a, a Warriors ticket at, at nine to one, and and you know, Clippers at three to one because the Clippers are just so damn deep. They're they're a really deep team. Their 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 bench is just it, it's I I want to say it's one of the best in the NBA. So I think maybe you know we we got to keep an eye on that. But good good conversation there. So we'll see we'll see what happens with Zion and. And the Pelicans, but I do think they're, you know, a legit team. And with that said, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to bet against them on Friday. (laughs) (laughs) We got the Nets, as we were just talking about there. The Nets are going to be minus four, and they are on the road here playing in New Orleans. So we have a total of 230 and a half. The Nets have a bounce back spot here, and I know it looks like it's as about probably as square as square could be. But this Nets train right now, it's rolling, and it's coming off of a loss. Now, the Nets over the last month, they've been absolutely lights out on the road. They've won seven out of their last eight road games, and the Nets right now, they're a healthy bunch of players. I cannot say the same thing about the Pelicans. Still, let's just call for what it is right now. No Brandon Ingram for New Orleans, and now Zion is out. Zion, as we just said, probably going to be out three weeks with a hamstring strain. Zion really meant everything to this team over probably the last, let's just say, 20, 25 games. He led the team in scoring. He contributed on the glass. 
He was actually playing rather nicely, I thought, on the defensive end. His points, rebounds, and assists per game there, Mac, 37 and a half. That's a ton of production to go ahead and replace. When you have to face two prolific scorers like Kyrie and KD, I think the Pelicans are going to have trouble keeping pace here with McCollum, maybe Valanchunas, and Trey Murphy. I just don't see it here. The Pelicans, they beat the Rockets in the last game without Zion. Arguably one of the worst teams in the league. The optics, I think, look bad right now for the Pelicans without Zion and without Ingram on the floor. Offensively, I just don't know how the Pelicans keep up here. And I get it. Like, this is like one of those, okay, we have a good team coming in. We're shorthanded. Everybody step up. And look, teams generally play good um, in these spots. But the Nets coming off of a loss, the way that they've been rolling, I do not want to get in front of that train, not with one of the best players in the world, arguably, you know, two top 10 players. So for me, Mac, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to make a real square pick here and take the Nets not to go ahead and fumble this one. So Nets for me, I'll go ahead. I'll take them minus the four. I don't know how you feel about this game. I know it's square. I I know that. That I'm sure of. But I I have to go ahead and play the Nets here. I think there's some not square things to think about in this game. Like, do you remember the first game of the season? Nets come out. A lot of controversy in the summer. Pelicans, you know, really, really healthy. Got all their players there. Really feeling themselves. They think they can do something this season. We thought they could do something this season. They destroyed Brooklyn uh, that first game. and. Now you come back two months later, the Nets no longer have the same coach. They're not playing terrible. They're actually playing great. They were 16-1 and one, uh, before they lost to the Bulls. Just two teams moving in the opposite direction. And when you have a favorite of four or more points that lost their previous matchup to an opponent by 20 or more points, so the Nets fit this here, since 2012, the modern era of the NBA, 56% ATS, 144-109-3. and three. That's uh, that's that's not nothing, and I feel like the Nets are a good example of why that is the case. To be honest, I think the Celtics are a good example of why motivation in the NBA is touch and go. Malcolm Bragdon said after the game, so let me set the context, they lost to the Thunder like in a historic way. Without SGA, the Thunder put up 150 versus the Celtics. That's not good shooting. I mean, it might be good shooting. That is bad defense. That is sloppy basketball it's the only way a team that bad puts up 150 on you well the next t- game they're playing one of the hottest teams in the nba they're playing the mavericks what happens they play defense they play defense malcolm brogdon again after the game said a maturity is our issue it can let us down at times that means when they step it up they're a lot better not just a little bit better but they're a lot better than what they performed against the thunder i think the nets are a very similar way they weren't all in to start the season and now they have been one of the best defenses in the NBA, and now they have a chance to prove it against a team that slapped them around in Brooklyn last time they played them. So I like the, I like, uh, I like the Nets a lot here. I do. I think it's a very good pick and a good handicap, man. All right, well, I appreciate that, and I hopefully they uh, hopefully they go ahead and get the cover there for us. Another thing, another thing you mentioned, Brandon Ingram, probably not going to be back. Let's say he comes back, and we might lose some line value. Players in their first game back from injury – not great. Not the team you want to bet on, especially when they're as uh, important, when they have to have the ball as much. They need to get that rhythm back. Uh, I think even if Brandon Ingram plays, that might dip the line a little bit, but I would fire uh, on the Nets if it goes to three and a half with Ingram in there for sure. Look, I think one of the weird things, and, and I appreciate what you just said there, but I think that these teams, Mac, like they play so much chess these days. They're not playing checkers. There's a chance we wake up tomorrow morning and, and CJ McCollum's not, not good. He's not even going to play. Right, right, right. They're like, right. you know what? Screw it. We got no Zion. 
We got no McCarthy. This could potentially be a finals preview. We don't know that, but I mean, I would say, you know, there's probably a 15% chance these two teams meet in the finals. They might not even want to let CJ even, you know, be seen by this crew because this is going to be a wrecking crew at some point. Uh, I think you'd agree. So um, I don't think the line probably goes down any further than four. I can only really see this line probably going up because, look, the public's probably going to be on the nets. I, I think the public will be on the nets. And then if CJ somehow gets ruled out, um, this line probably goes, you know, it probably goes all the way up to like six, six and a half, somewhere in that area. So, oh, yeah, for sure. I'll go ahead. I'll take the nets in that one. That's kind of where I'm at with that one. Uh, so with some early games out of the way there for you guys, we still have our best bets coming up and our agreed upon player prop but it's everybody's favorite time for the nba dream preview podcast segment and that is nba jeopardy with mckenzie rivers mckenzie it's funny we started talking about a lot of stuff early on this podcast and we have some things here um in this nba jeopardy that we already had spoke about so here's how this works i go ahead i give mckenzie a question he goes ahead he wagers a percentage of his pregame bulk dollars that that's our big prize here for NBA Jeopardy on the Dream podcast and then he'll go ahead he'll get double jeopardy but Mackenzie I went ahead and I made three questions for you today oh hot damn there's a chance for a bonus here so let me go ahead and give you the question here Mackenzie the Boston Celtics have played the most game sevens out of any team in the history of the NBA in the playoffs the Celtics have played exactly 35 game sevens Mackenzie what current NBA team has only played in one game seven? That's a good question. I was waiting for you to say true or false, and I'm like, that's very specific. No way the Celtics didn't do that, and they're the oldest team, played the most playoffs. Uh, I was sure that was true, and you just confirmed it. But you asked a very interesting question that I don't uh, know uh, offhand or just the way the question was phrased. Hmm, so it's got to be a new team. Talking about the Raptors, Grizzlies teams that came up in the 90s potentially uh but it's also got to be a bad team that didn't really play a lot of playoffs so i'm gonna go with the new orleans pelicans close ah, you were close they ended up having two total game seven so that was a great pick but the correct answer there mac is actually the Minnesota Timberwolves. Because they're so bad. They're so terrible. It doesn't matter how long they've been in the league. Yeah, That's, yeah, that's right. And, and look, I was trying to avoid giving you the true-false question because you were you were snaring that when you were like, huh, he wouldn't <laughs> ask that if that wasn't false. He wouldn't ask it that way if it wasn't true. <laughs> so I was like, I got to get away from that one. So, uh, let, all right, so you're, let's just say you have 100 pregame dollars left. You got the first question wrong. But, hey, we, we got the bonus. We got three. So maybe you can go ahead and stack a little bit of pregame bulk dollars up here. Second question there, Mac. This NBA player scored the most points in any game seven. He's an active player, you said? He is active. I'll give you that. Um, hmm. Most points in a game seven. LeBron put up 40 plus several times in the game seven, or at least once against Paul Pierce. Um, Kawhi had that big game in. In, against Philly. I feel like there's someone that's just someone random. Game sevens are almost always low scoring, but sometimes people do step up. Uh, who am I might be missing? Kevin Durant's not really had any game sevens that ring a bell. Steph Curry, you know, put up 30, whatever. Nothing necessarily crazy. 
I'm going to go with Kawhi Leonard and the, and the shot that bounced around eight times on the rim and went in. I know he had 40-something in that game. I'm going to go with Kawhi. Uh, I remember that game vividly. That is not the guy. The guy is the guy that you already mentioned. LeBron James? Kevin Durant. What? Oh, wait. 48 points. Against the Bucs? No. When was that? It wasn't against the Bucs, was it? And he missed that shot with his foot on the line? Or he made that shot with the foot on the line? Well, you're right, Mac. It was against the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, it turned out it, that was an OT game, game seven in Brooklyn. KD scored 48 points. But it wasn't close to his best game of that series. That's why I didn't think of it, because I think he had 49 or something, 12 and 12 on amazing shooting. Uh, no one had, and remember, only him and Akeem Olajuwon ever in the playoffs had 76 points, rebounds, and assists. And uh, his other stats were just way better. So it was arguably like the best game ever played. Uh, I believe that in game five, uh, or games, was it game five? Yeah, because it was in Brooklyn uh, to save their season because uh, it didn't look like they had anybody else. But they lost game six, lost game seven. He had 48, but only nine rebounds, only six assists, only shot 47% from the field, 17 for 36. Uh, yeah, it's funny that when you lose, it doesn't stick out as much like the Kawhi game does. But Kevin Durant in his career, 36 points per game, eight rebounds per game in game sevens. Uh, pretty clutch. I don't know if you guys noticed, but after McKenzie got two wrong in a row, he sure as hell did a whole hell of a lot of filibustering there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, now that I'm wrong, let me tell you how much knowledge I have about my wrongness. Yeah, my bad. I, that was beautifully played there, Mac. So here, I'll, I'll look, I'll give you a chance to redeem yourself. Um, how much pregame bulk dollars you want? This is the final one. I got to have at least enough for a sub, you know, at least for a subscription. So I'm going to double it up. I'm going to put $100 on the line if I still have it uh, for the third question. I can't go 0-3. I got to hit this one. Let's go. All right. So I'm going to give you a true and false. All right. Now, you're pretty good at picking these out of a lineup. Let's stick with KD. Kevin Durant has scored at least 25 or more points in every one of his Game 7 appearances, which... He has played a total of five game sevens. True or false, KD has scored at least 25 or more in all his game sevens. I remember the game that they lost to the Thunder. I was a big fan of Steph Curry and Kevin Durant. I'm like, if only they could team up, that would be the best team ever. And I remember he had like 29 or something in that game. So uh, I'm going to say it's true. He's always scored 25 or more. That is true. And I thought you were going to guess false. Damn it. <laughs> you trying to stump me, man? I can't go 0-3. Uh-uh, right. not, not tonight. All right. Well, Mac went ahead. He saved the day for himself. Uh, but he did get a little educated today, so I'm happy. I feel like I won on that one, too. So uh, quite excited about that. But that'll wrap up NBA Jeopardy, uh, where you guys get some education. We try to stump the NBA stat guru, Mackenzie Rivers. Let me ask you a question, my friend. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Go ahead. No, it's not It's not something you got to look up. It's, it's more intuition. Will the Timberwolves play another Game 7 this decade? They've had... You know, 30 years, they got one, they got eight more years. Will they make the playoffs even? or And will they get to a game seven? What do you think? Let's let's make a bar bet on it. I'll take the other side. All right. I'll say yes, and here's the reason why. I'll give you two reasons why, actually. I think there's a large crop of players, starting with LeBron James, that are in the West that are just team-oriented guys. Do you think Curry's leaving the Warriors? I doubt it. Do, do we really see LeBron maybe leaving the Lakers? I doubt it. But I think there's enough guys there that are all going to retire at the same time. And I like the young talent of the T-Wolves. So mm -hmm. I think there's a potential. If you're going to give me a 10-year window, I do think that there's a chance that they could probably see another Game 7. 
Um, are you talking like a finals game seven or are you just talking? Any game seven. Any game seven. Any game Anthony seven. Edwards, yeah, he's going to make the playoffs. He's only, what, 21? Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, no, if you're just giving me any game seven, I would say yes. I would say that there's a really good possibility this year uh, because one one of the issues with that team is they just fail to close teams out. They, they love those cliffhangers, and, you know, we saw that last year against Memphis. So you can pay me however you want to pay me, but it's all, it's all good. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. You're on. You're on, my friend. All right, cool. So with that out of the way, NBA Jeopardy, let's go ahead and let's jump into our agreed-upon player prop. Mac, you and I kind of pondered with this one a little bit, and this is a player that we've talked about a little bit on this podcast, and it's Keldon Johnson. Currently right now, his points, rebounds, and assists is set at 32.5, and and his three-point attempts made is set at 2.5. Mac, I sent you some information. I sent you some stats, and a lot of this was geared toward Devin Vassell is now out for the Spurs. He was arguably one of their best players, if not playing the best on that team, but he's unfortunately going to have to have knee surgery. That sucks for him, and it it sucks for the guys like us who – um, have bought into a lot of, you know, the Spurs stats. There's a lot of things are going to change now with this Spurs team. But you and I kind of think that maybe there's a chance that Kelton Johnson could kind of show out uh, in this particular game. A lot of that has to do with statistical stuff, which you have. And I believe there is some situational stuff that kind of backs up uh, what we want to do here. So we're either going to go points, rebounds, assists, or the threes. I'm going to let you go ahead and try to convince me, Mac. Maybe we could do a little uh, NBA bet tank here, kind of a little, yeah. a little bit of that. So what do you think? I think you got value in both. I think the line is probably not going to reflect how he is their number one guy with a bullet. Uh, it's less of a it's less of a group. It's more of a you know one man show without Vassal out there, and Keldon Johnson is in there. And you see that in the numbers. He's made two threes per game only uh, when Vassal's in there, and almost four when he hasn't been. It's doubled. So they're not going to they're not going to double the prop for sure. However, I think the tick ups in his points, rebounds, and assists we can bank on being more consistent more likely to continue than just his three-point shooting because his attempts I think that's what you got to key in on they've gone from seven a game when Vassal is in there to eight a game when he isn't out there that's not a huge tick up I mean it's way less of a tick up than the threes he's made he's shooting 47 percent that's more variance in my opinion however his minutes tick up his points tick up his regular shots per game tick up uh, I think that's where we, we want to go. We want to get productivity in general. We don't want to bank on hot shooting. So points, rebounds, and assists makes more sense to me. Uh, and in general, look at the scoring in the NBA right now. You've already seen this total tick up from 231 to 234. The Pistons are sitting Cade Cunningham for the year. They're probably going to move on from Dwayne Casey. It seems like they're settling in for a nice tank job. And um, I see a lot of points in this game. Uh, so that's why I want to grab some uh you know, just opportunity costs with uh, Keldon Johnson. Points, rebounds, and assists is the way I would look. Okay. Um, I would say you convinced me with that one. Let's start out with what you just mentioned with Detroit, is that there's a chance, like, you know, that they, they they can end up just throwing in the towel. Like, with no Kate Cunningham, that sucks. Maybe their coaches end up going to be out of there. But we know that that was kind of a slower-paced, defensive-oriented team. And I think maybe things are changing with them a little bit. So the total right now is, what, 233.5? That's a pretty high total. I, I don't have anything wrong with that. I think that, you know, when you're looking to play guys over, obviously you want, you know, you want a, a total to kind of be high. Yep. But I think with with the Spurs right now, the, the one thing that I think that we have to kind of take a look at is they're on a back-to-back. And what does Pop like to do? Well, I'm not a Pop fan, 
I, I respect what he did in the past, but there's a lot of things over probably the last five years that have just driven me crazy about this guy. And a lot of it is due to, you know, when a guy's out there playing great and he just all of a sudden pulls him off the bench. He did it countless times with a guy like DeJounte Murray. It mm. used to drive me bananas. I was like, this guy's having a career game and all, you're, <laughs> all of a sudden you're yanking him out with seven minutes in the third quarter. Like, what are you doing, dude? Anyway, so there's my little, you know, Popovich rant. But one of the things that I did notice there, McKenzie, with Popovich is when this team plays on a back-to-back, he is far more likely to play his starters heavy minutes in the first game. Now, look, they play Boston on Saturday, but it's an earlier game. This one tips off at 8, 10 Eastern, and then the game against Boston following on Saturday tips off at 6 o'clock. So I think that that Pop's going to look at that and go, you know what? We're playing Detroit. We could actually hang with this team, not get blown out. And I think that that's the important factor here is that Detroit's probably not blowing anybody out. And although the Spurs are terrible, they're probably not going to get blown out. So I don't have to worry about Keldon Johnson getting sat. So if Pop is more than likely to play his starters heavy minutes in the first game, which I've gone through the season and I looked, that is the case. He's playing the starters more in the first game than he is the second. They feel like this is probably the wager to go ahead and, and, and play, play Keldon Johnson over now. Boston's coming in there looking to, looking to wreck somebody because we just saw what happened to Boston against OKC. So um, I think Pop's going to go, you know what? It makes no sense for us to go out here and, and play half the guys tonight risk losing and then play half the guys the next night, you know, for the next, you know, for half the amount of time against Boston. It's just, uh, you're setting yourself up for two losses in a row. And I'm not even sure how much the Spurs want to win, but you know what? I like, I like the Kelton Johnson PRA. I think the Spurs will want to win this game in general because they don't have a lot of opportunities to win games. They're by far the worst team in the NBA the last 30 days and on the season. And these are the two worst defenses in the NBA. I think both of them have, ulterior motives I think you I keep coming back to the quote from Popovich before the season we said hey nobody should go down to Vegas and bet all their money on us to win the championship obviously not going to win the championship they were one of the worst teams coming in but I think more than anything he said with that statement hey this is my last year I've built a nice franchise here yes a franchise I was a general manager then I was a coach for 20 years we were nothing we were a, a forgotten about franchise take them or leave them, change your name, go to Vegas. No one would have cared about the Spurs except for this man, Greg Popovich, and a guy named Tim Duncan, but putting it all together. This era has changed the Spurs, and I don't think he wants to leave it um, necessarily in bad shape. They tanked. I don't care what anybody says. They tanked with David Robinson back in the 90s so that they could get Tim Duncan. I think Popovich is going to play – he's going to plan it out. He's got that early game against the Celtics who were just embarrassed by the Thunder, a bad team. They're not going to let that happen two games in a row. I know they beat the Mavericks. They're not going to let the go of the rope after just one game. They, they definitely want to come in strong for that game. You look at these two days, I think you got to prioritize the Pistons game. I think you get the Pistons game. You get the you know worst team in the league moniker off your back just a little bit. Just, just you, know, I, you don't want to be you know red light blinking bad. You just want to be bad so you have a chance at Victor Wembayama. And that's what I see here. I think it's a, a scheduled loss on Saturday, and I think they're going to go for it. Whether they win or not, I don't know. But they're going to go for it on Friday. Keldon Johnson's going to play 38 minutes, and I think he goes over this number. All right, so we'll go ahead. We'll make that one official, our agreed-upon player prop. Keldon Johnson over 32.5 points, rebounds, and assists. You guys can find that probably on DraftKings and FanDuel currently right now at that number. 
Mac, it's funny, like we were talking a little bit about pop and we oftentimes talk about coaches that retire at the, at the right time and, and coaches that retire at the, at the wrong time. And I feel like Popovich made a mistake holding on for this long, especially just mm. not making any headway on any type of like career achievements. Like, you know, you don't hear like all time playoff wins and, and uh, all time, you know, playoff appearances or, you know, whatever the case might be. Like it felt like had he retired when they won their last title, he probably would have went down as maybe the greatest coach of all time, because how many people were actually saying that? Good point. Where, where does that fit? Where does that conversation at? You know, where's that conversation at now after a bunch of just mediocre and well below average years? I don't know if you ever regarded him as that. I, a lot of people did. I think he hurt himself by just sticking around. Different ways to look at who's the best NBA coach. I'll always have tremendous respect for Phil Jackson. I think he's, you know, not enlightened, but, you know, real smart guy and a real caring, passionate guy that uh, has changed people's lives. Kobe Bryant couldn't win championships without him, couldn't lose championships when he was on the squad, or at least they'd make the finals. Larry Brown did more with less than anybody. I never put Popovich up with those two guys, but obviously his work speaks for himself. And you mentioned the last championship they won. Yeah, that was that was huge. But 15-16, when the Warriors won 72 games, 73 games, the Spurs won 67 and were beating teams by like 10 points a game. They were better than any other team for the last 10 years besides the Warriors. Uh, they were an excellent team when LaMarcus Aldridge was still in his prime. Kawhi Leonard was, you know, becoming the best player in the world or right there among them. And, you know, they got bounced out by the Thunder team. I think... If you took a snapshot right at the end of the regular season, uh, what he had done to revitalize that franchise right after Tim Duncan retired, immediately make them really good again, really quickly. If you would have retired then, his legacy, uh, it just pales in comparison. His new legacy is now legacy pales in comparison. He's like, yeah, he had a lot of great players and he didn't have some great players and they weren't that good. When Kawhi left, that might have been the time to, I mean, I, I think Bel this applies to Belichick. I think he, you give those guys as much rope as they want. They've earned it. Maybe you're wrong about them. Maybe you're right about them. But uh, you need a lot of evidence to disprove, you know, 20 years of success. So I wouldn't have, you know, ushered them out the door. But if I was from Popovich's perspective, I think, um, you know, he could have focused more on the Olympics and taken that helm. Could have done a lot of things. Could have, you know, just retired and had some wine in, in Napoli, what he likes to do, talk to Tony Parker. Yeah, it, you know, it just looks bad. It just looks like, yep, you need great players. But that's just the NBA. You do need great players. I think he'd be the first to admit that. You know, one of the best coaches ever, but no, I don't, I don't, I don't see the argument for him being the best. All right, well, interesting. That wasn't on our list of things to talk about, but we went ahead and we we dove down something that bothered me. So that was interesting. <laughs> it bothers you? You're like, you're like, he should retire. Get him out of my league. It bothers me, one, like, yeah, I've been salty with Pop, but it bothers me when a guy – can walk out the door being regarded as maybe one of the best ever and not perform. And they, right. And then it turns into, Oh, he's overrated and this, that. And it was like, well now, especially in this day and age, people have no problem shitting all over your accomplishments. <laughs> so why even open up? Like, look, why even open up the door to go ahead and be, th just be like, you know what, man, like that guy was awesome. It was like, you know, whatever. Let, let them bash somebody else. Cause today, no matter what you do, you know, if you do one thing wrong, um, you know, it could cost you your entire career or, you know, your career achievements could be thrown out the window because um, there's a lot of people that have, you know, access to a lot of data. Yeah. So. And there's a lot of dumb people out there, but you know, 
let, they're going to be dumb. So yeah, I hear what you're saying, but I mean, I haven't, I haven't changed the way I my opinion of them that much. It's just the reality struck them in the face, macked them in the face, real good. Yeah, totally. And uh, we'll see how that team fares on Friday night against Detroit. I think they'll actually play half decent. Uh, we were just talking about Boston there, Mac, and I was talking about you know how they're going to come into the into this game probably salty against the Spurs, but I think going back to the game that happened on Thursday night. Uh, against Dallas kind of let you know that that they had a little bit of a wake-up call. They ended up blowing out Dallas 124 to 95. So that team's not only salty, uh, but they're going to be salty against a team that they could beat up. Like I was saying, they got beat against OKC. So um, they're probably not going to be in a good mood. But Mac, what kind of struck me with that team tonight, they went on the road, blew out the Mavericks by 30 points, but they put up 124 points. Scoring seems like it's up a lot. Like there was a game tonight, 145 points, 138 points. You want to talk a little bit about some scoring, uh, why it's up so high, some of the reasons why we're getting the results that we're getting. But it just seems like on a nightly basis, like, for instance, tonight, there were four teams that scored 122 points or more. Something's up. You look at the highest average total in each month of the NBA season going back to 1995, Number one with the bullet entering tonight's games. Not even close. Three points more scoring per game expected than any other month in NBA history so far. January 2023. 231 has been the average total. I wonder what number two is. Try December 2022. Last month, 228. Most points expected. Average total was the highest in NBA history. At least, you know, going back to Vegas betting records. Number three. August 2020, bubble trouble. And not the playoffs, but in the regular season. If there was ever a time where, you know, the world is spiraling out of control, my lifestyle may never be the same. I don't know what's going on. Maybe it wasn't that serious now that we know, but we, did, we didn't know. Scary times. I don't think playing defense was necessarily at the top of their minds. And it was a regular season. Most of the seeds were already decided, you might remember. So, yeah, 227 points expected in the, in the, in the bubble. Third most of all time. Number fourth was April of last year. You might remember everybody sat. Everybody sat. And uh, really interesting stat. I, I happened to query this. If you look at losing teams in April of last year, so it's right before the playoffs. A lot of teams were resting guys. They were kind of gearing. Remember the Grizzlies rested everybody. The Celtics in a different game rested everybody. Uh, they were kind of trying to figure out what seed they wanted more than playing excellent basketball. All those games went over. All good teams that were playing or not playing those games went over, but bad teams, teams with under 50% winning percentage, four overs, 10 unders, minus six over under margin. Everybody else, 40 overs, only 24 unders, that's 63%, nine over under margin as the season wrapped up last year. Why do I mention that? Tanking season is coming up. I think people have a misconception that at the end of the year, teams, you know, Race, race to the bottom. I think it starts a little bit earlier and it ends a little bit earlier. Where really bad teams have a big stink on them coming the last two weeks of the season. I think they actually try. They actually play defense. Maybe try to save some jobs. In the very end of the season, I think all the shenanigans that the Thunder and everybody does happens maybe in March. So something to keep, keep an eye on. But going back to the scoring in general, why is this happening? Why is this the average total of 231? A couple things going on. Fouling's up. A lot of smaller players are out there. They can't really protect the rim with size. Giannis is 
a center, but he's also a small forward. At least he was, you know, five years ago. So that that is giving a lot more free pass to the rim, and the refs are calling it tighter. The uh, take foul rule has increased the pace of the game, where you can't really slow slow the game down with fouls that don't result in free throws. But more than anything, I think we have to go back to what these other months are happening. So number four, April of last year, right before the playoffs, everybody was resting. Number three, August 2020, the bubble in the regular season. All those seeds were decided. Games didn't really matter. And they were in the same environment every day. Maybe that comfort led to better shooting. That was speculated. But then December of last year, then January of this year. I don't think it's a coincidence that last year had the most games missed by far in NBA history. I don't think it's a coincidence, again, that Zion Williamson, oh, hamstring, yeah, he's going to be out three weeks. We'll check on him. Teams are playing chess. There's this algorithm that all these GMs are working through, which is when do I have to put guys out? When do I have to you know, strategize so that I can hopefully be my healthiest and playing my best when it matters come April 15th? Players are getting the memo. Players are are, are just letting go of the rope. They're not as locked in. The Celtics, 150 points, third most in Celtics history versus the Thunder. Like, okay, we'll wake up. We'll play defense. We'll care about the details. And that's why I think we're seeing, you know, guys always want to score. That doesn't take motivation. Donovan Mitchell catching his own free throw, throwing it in, which, by the way, was a clear line violation. That would have... No, no records would be set in that night if he scored 56 points and missed his final free throw, but they let it happen because, you know, scoring's fun. Donovan Mitchell putting up 13 in overtime, scoring 71, most since Kobe. That was a fun story. So I think offense is uh, the name of the game right now. Uh, cash today with an under, so don't go crazy. These uh, markets are adjusting, and betters like to bet over, so they're going to set it you know very high. But in general – um, it's just a different league. It's a, it's a fun league right now. <laughs> People are going up and down and trying to put up points. Uh, you know, to me, I can't wait for the playoffs. You and I did very well in the playoffs. I can't wait till uh, all these games matter. We know who's in there. But uh, in the regular season, yeah, I don't, I don't expect it, it to drop down too much. I mean, 231 is crazy. I think it should be maybe like 229 average total in the league. But yeah, this is, this is, uh, this is the state of the NBA. I don't think it's any aberration. I think this is just what's going on right now. Well, I actually think the NBA is flirting with disaster. And I'll, let me start with the Pro Bowl in the NFL. Mm. Nobody wants to watch that. Nobody cares to even freaking turn the TV set on to watch that. They, they canceled it, you know. There's no more Pro Bowl. Right. They canceled, and, exactly. Right. And it got to a point to where – and I think – look, I the NFL to me, they're, they're, they – I'm not even going to go on a long rant about it, but the <laughs> NFL does a lot right, but they do more wrong than they do right. But I think if they did something right, they did not let the game of football turn into what the Pro Bowl was starting to look like. The NBA has a chance because, you know, we, like I said, it, they scored 245 points tonight. That was what they were scoring in the All-Star game just a couple of years back. That's crazy. We can't have that because what happens is, yeah, how many people that like defense in general – are just going to stop watching it because it's like, well, they don't play any defense. Well, that's what happened to the Pro Bowl. They stopped playing defense. People stopped watching it. It, it, it was it was it was a joke. So, if people start looking at the NBA All Star Game like it's a joke, and the season starts creeping closer and closer and closer to that type of game, then I think the NBA is in some type of trouble. And then they're going to have to start implementing more rules to kind of scale things back to draw in you know one particular end of the crowd. So. I don't know if that makes sense, Mac, but I think right now oh, yeah. with the way the game, at least in the NFL, 
I think the NFL is um, – I think it's okay. I think the NBA right now is okay. But I do worry that if it does end up, you know, getting closer and closer to what the All-Star game looks like, then we could have like a kind of like an NFL Pro Bowl kind of outcome, and, and that would be really bad. I think that's a very – I think that's an excellent take. You're thinking like a billionaire. You're looking around the corner. Yes, the millions are coming in, but what happens if – and, yeah, the – the good thing that the NFL does is that every game is an event. It matters. I think the NBA needs to strive for that. And you might say, oh, well, it's because of three-point variance and they're playing more small ball. That's not it. They took more threes two years ago. They made more higher percentage of threes two years ago. Offense has gone up three points a game by net rating per team. It's not that. It's intensity. And I think uh, I think the NBA should strive for that. And, um, you know, I'm optimistic. They do see around corners – that uh, we'll still have you know excellent product for years to come, but it's something to think about. Well, I will say this: I, I rewatched the Clay Thompson fifty-four point game the other night. What was that like a double OT game? They scored like a ton of points in that game. That game was interesting, but some of these really high-scoring games where it's just it seems like it's going on and on and on. A lot of those games, honestly, they just don't interest me. You know, the, the Donovan Mitchell was a good example of a game that was interesting, but at the same time. Some of those games, they just they lose their luster, especially for people who are looking for defensive type of play. So we'll see where it all ends up, um, you know, in the wash. But right now, I mean, they're they're scoring a lot of buckets. But you mentioned billionaires there, Mackenzie, and I think it's time to go ahead and give the billionaires that are listening to this podcast a little bit of a coupon code. What do you think? Albert Einstein wasn't a billionaire, but he said the single most powerful force in the human existence is compound interest. How do you compound interest? Make 55% wagers. That's what we've been doing here on pregame.com. You've been excellent uh, in almost every sport. And I think in every sport, you've been green uh, or close to it. So um, why not subscribe to uh, Sleepy J and continue his years long recorded, documented winning each and every day? Why not? Why not have that on your phone? And you can get that. And, hey, if you're going to get that, why not save a little money while you're doing it? Yeah. All you guys have to do is enter code TIP20 in the coupon code area. And uh, thanks for that, Mac. I've actually had really good years the last uh, three or four years at pregame. Well, how do they save money again? I just heard that. Tip something? TIP20. So T-I-P-20 is where you guys will save 20% at pregame.com. You guys can pick up any pick package over there. And this is actually a really good time to go ahead and do that. Uh, you can get Steve Fezzik's playoff package coming up. I know that the, the, a lot of that playoff stuff coming up for the NFL, get get all that stuff. You could save 20% on all that. So, you know, A.J. Hoffman, college basketball, or Griffin Warner soccer, whatever, McKenzie, NBA, um, save 20%. That's the one cool thing about pregame is there's always a way for you guys to save money and, uh, you know, find, find the guy that you like most and, and that you agree with and that you like reading his work and, and stick with that guy and, save some money and make some money. So uh, that'll be it for the coupon code there, Mac tip 20 T I P 20. Make sure you guys enter that in your coupon code, save 20% there at pregame.com. All right, Mac with that out of the way, we got two more orders of business here. We got best bets and we have our Friday contest, the Friday five. Let's save that till last. Let's go ahead. Let's get in the best bets there, Mac. I'm going to let you rip and run first. I have a total. What do you got? My best bet, we already talked about this game. You gave it out. I didn't know. I knew we were going to talk about the game. I didn't know you were going to be on my side. It's going to be the Brooklyn Nets minus four. A couple reasons here that we didn't mention. The building, the Smoothie King Arena. 
how many guys and girls and families thought, let me go January 6th after New Year's, everything settled down. Let me do get a little Christmas present for everybody, get all the concessions they want, get the nice parking. Let's go and watch Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, superstars. Well, the home team, the guys that the jerseys that the kids are going to be wearing, ain't going to be out there. Brandon Ingram, uh, you know, he practiced on Tuesday. Doesn't sound like he's going to gear up to play right away. Don't think he'll be 100% if he does or close to it. You know, get get the rust off for a mid-range shooter like he is. And the Nets got embarrassed by this team, like I mentioned. They kind of got embarrassed by the Bulls. Even losing to the Bulls, in my opinion, uh, is, is kind of embarrassing. Shout out to Danny Premier, by the way, my, my boy in Chicago. Got, got some nice tickets, Instagram story in Chicago. Anyway, uh... All right, take that part out. I don't like that. All right, please. <laughs> anyway, three, two, one. So, yeah, I think this team is – I think this is this is one-way traffic. I think the vibe in the arena is going to be kind of dead, and I think the Nets need this game. While Pelicans, they won and covered their first game without Zion or Brandon Ingram. They can they, they got to figure out, uh, you know, long-term solutions with these players, but I don't think they have anything right now that can match the firepower of the Nets. So, uh, home teams have done well this year, surprisingly – but I still am a firm believer that you want to look at road teams because the that crowd, it's not what it used to be as far as impacting these players. They're too practiced. They're too skilled to go to any arena in the world. Pick the better team. You know, some discount for home field advantage. But the spot here makes me disregard it completely. I have the Nets eight points better on a neutral. No home court advantage in the world could get me to four. So, yeah, I'm going to go best bet Brooklyn Nets minus four. I agree with your pick, man. Yay! Intruders beware. Crushing death and grief. Soaked with blood of the trespassing thief. All right. Well, that sound drop that I played was when somebody steals my pick. <laughs> we know Mackenzie's not stealing my pick. He's just, we'll just say borrowing it. But that's why we do the podcast. Right. So we could share information so we can make you guys better, betters. And that's one of the reasons why Mackenzie and I. Uh, have become better is because we get the chance to work together. And when we share this information, it's like, you know what, dude, that's strong. I'm all over it. I'm, I'm, I'm taking it. I'm stealing it. I'm selling it. I'm doing whatever I want with it. All right, cool. It's a free game. It's yours. Get at it. Our subscribers pay us to have the best network we can possibly have to have the most success we can possibly have. And uh, I'm proud to say that, uh, you know, you're one of the first guys I look to in, uh, in when it comes to the NBA and uh, finding out these situations and the way these teams are going to be playing because Lord knows uh, motivation and how much these teams are going to get up is not a straight line. And I think we got a good bounce back spot here for the Nets. Well, I love what you just said there, Mac, because I think this is important. If you don't have a network, you are not winning at sports betting. It is not happening. So the guys that you see on Twitter talking about it's all me and it's I'm a one-man gang, just hit the little red X up in the right-hand corner because they're full of shit. <laughs> you better have a network and you better be sharing information. Otherwise, you're going to have a real, real tough time uh, breaking even, let alone winning. So good stuff on that. So that'll be Max best bet. Going to go ahead and play the Nets there. I don't like it. I love it. Here's my best bet, guys. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play the Heat Suns. Under 217. This is more of a quick reaction best bet here, guys. I think the pace will dictate a lot in this game. Now, the pace for these two teams, it's not going to be fast. Miami right now, fourth slowest team in the league. 
And the Suns right now, the sixth slowest team in the league. Now that is factored into the line. And I think a lot of us know that, but the Suns right now, they're, they're just simply just reeling their last two games. They scored 185 and 178 total combined points. I'm not sure if the answer is running or jogging at this point for Phoenix, but without campaign cam Johnson, and now Devin Booker, I don't know how you run with teams. This is more of a slower-oriented team, even with those guys on the floor. But I think if you look at the losses, especially the last two, that the Suns have just adopted a slower pace defensive type of game plan. The Suns have lost seven of their last eight games. Now Miami, they don't have any problem playing slow. But if Phoenix is forcing Miami to play a slow-paced game, then this game can only struggle to go ahead and get over this total. There's only been one game this entire season that the Suns have scored less than uh, 178 points, and that was way back in the beginning of the year uh, going up against, uh, I think it was the Blazers or something like that. So I think this is a pivot play right now uh, for the Suns. Like they, they realize we can't run a gun without our guy out there in Booker. We have to just play this. Possession for possession, play it slow, let CP3 dictate the offense, get them on their points. That takes time. That takes that takes a while. And Miami, pretty good inside team. Aiton might struggle going ahead and getting the ball up. So I like the under in this one. The market actually moved towards the over. And because that's such an early move, I think that's sharp money. Moving this total up as high as they can get it. I think this is a wise guy head fake. I think this number crashes back down. I think it closes around 214. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play this at 217. I think there's a wise guy move here. I'm taking the under in the Suns and the Heat game. With that out of the way there, Mac, there's our best bets. You got the Nets minus the four. I got the Heat Sun under 217. Let's go ahead. Let's jump into our Friday five. So here's how the Friday five works. You guys go to the pregame.com. Go to the pregame.com forums, and you'll see a thread in there. It's going to say NBA contest Friday five. Now, what is that? Mackenzie and I, we go ahead. We pick the five players that we think are going to score the highest amount of points combined. You guys can go in there. You can pick your five players. And what we do is we put a roster together and we say, all right, Team McKenzie and Sleepy, here's their five guys. Uh, they scored 180 points combined. And Team Dum Dum, he had five guys and they scored 211. They beat us. No problem. If you have the highest combined scoring team, you will win 55 pregame dollars. Now, regrettably, Mackenzie and I have not yet won this contest, and we've been doing this for a number of weeks now. But I feel like we have a pretty good roster here there, Mac. I'll start it out here with your boy, SGA. If you want to talk about SGA and why why we got him again. It's like we use him every week, so it's like, you know, why the hell not? But is there any reason in particular why SGA might have a pretty big game? It can't feel great to have your greatest shooting performance to set a record versus the proud franchise in the Celtics. When you're not out there, so he missed a game with a non-COVID illness, uh, you know, recently on Tuesday, bounced back yesterday, uh, which would be Wednesday, 33 points like he never missed anything, uh, but they lost. They lost to a team they should probably beat in the Magic. Uh, they might lose this one, but they're hosting the Wizards, not a noted defensive team. Uh, I think SGA goes for, you know, I, I think I rarely play po- player props over, but I, I think he puts up 40. All right, I think that 40 is certainly achievable there. I think 40 is achievable for the guy that I kind of picked here, and I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take Kyrie Irvin. I'll put him in there. And the reason being is because I talked about this on the last podcast that we did that 
KD's not a selfish player. Now, KD went out. He scored 44 points in the last game. That was his second most points of this entire season. And unfortunately, the Nets came out with the loss. Kevin Durant's going to share the ball with Kyrie, and Kyrie's going to take the helm here. I think Kyrie has a monster game here. I'll go ahead. I'll put Kyrie in our Friday Five. We got Giannis. Um, Is that just self-explanatory there, Mac? 33 points a game, yeah. All right, so Giannis. How about LeBron, though? This is a guy that we haven't used all year long. LeBron coming off of uh, probably one of his best games, I would say, probably over the last couple seasons. LeBron had a monster game. You think uh, you think LeBron's worth a shot, or should we maybe swap him out? 47 on his birthday, 38th birthday. 43 at Hornets. But then he sits out against the Heat, and they probably have their best win of the season. Dennis Schroeder looking like a real guy. Russell Westbrook looking like a real guy. Um, the King is jealous from time to time. I think he wants to, uh, you know, put the smack down here uh, as much as possible. And, you know, he's still, he's still chasing Kareem. So, yeah, I like LeBron here. All right. The, one of the main reasons I like LeBron is they're playing the Hawks. And God only knows what that total might come out at. Yeah. No wing defense on the Hawks. That's been consistent. Yeah, probably in the 240s or something close to that. So, uh, we'll go ahead. We'll put LeBron in there. And then the final one. And, Mac, you could totally switch this one out. And I was just looking. I'm like, you know what? Let's play another another primetime guy. And I fell on Dane Lillard. So I don't know if you like Lillard or not, if you want to swap him out for maybe a pick that you have, a guy that you think might end up having a, a plus EV matchup. But I thought Dame kind of did. So I'll go ahead. I'll say, Dame, you have veto power over that one. Yeah. The thing about Dame is I think the story of the season has been Anthony, Anthony Simons. And I think Kevin Durant's very unselfish. I think uh, Dame, you know, even though he's very clutch, I think he's pretty unselfish. So, hmm, I'm not. There might not necessarily be a better person to put in front of him. How about we swap him out with Donovan Mitchell? You know, coming off of 71, they're at Denver. What do you think about him? Yeah, I'm on board. We'll switch him out. Reason being is, you know, he's going to want to go out there and not say, "Oh yeah, that 70 was." Sometimes I think that these guys they, they want to prove that the last game wasn't a fluke. Oh, yeah. And if coming off of 71, if he can go out there and have like a 50-point game, then you start hearing rumblings about Donovan Mitchell potentially being in the MVP conversation. Like th- those type of things happen. So, yeah, I think I think obviously. People forget how prideful these guys are. Donovan Mitchell after the game said, yeah, you know, I, it's very flattering to be put up there with Kobe, David Robinson. I think I've always thought, he said, I've always thought I'm one of the best players in the NBA and I have the potential to be. Very hard to prove that as a guard that shoots a lot and misses a lot, but he was 67% making two-thirds of his 34 shots against Chicago. Uh, Denver, not necessarily a better wing defensive team than Chicago is. Uh, Yeah, prideful guy. I think he wants to keep it rolling. All right. Well, we'll swap him out. So we're going to go with Mitchell, LeBron, Giannis, SGA, and Kyrie Irving. Like I said, guys, just go to pregame.com. Go to pregame.com forums. Look for that thread. It'll be pinned there at the top. It'll say NBA Contest Friday 5. Enter your five players if they can outscore our team. And you guys could steal a couple of our players. It's no big deal. If you guys go ahead and get higher combined score, you got to go They have a great network to listen to this podcast, you'd have to admit. They do. They do. Um, And they'll they'll win 55 pregame bulk dollars. You guys could spend that uh, on all my picks and or McKenzie's picks, however you guys want to do it. Uh, but that'll wrap it up there, guys, for the NBA Dream Podcast. Uh, big thanks to McKenzie for jumping on here and going through the NBA Friday slate. You guys can always find McKenzie and I on RJ Bell's Dream Preview feed. Get us both on Twitter, at Mac and Rivers, 
at sleepyj underscore pregame. Make sure you guys like, subscribe to the podcast. And again, if you guys are looking to save a little bit of cash there at pregame.com, simply enter code TIP20 in that coupon area. I hope you guys have a great Friday. I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck for NBA Friday. Enjoy the games.